Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Color, a podcast about owning your identity and engaging in your community. Today, I'm here for the first episode in the second season with Stephanie. She is a therapy advocate and a yoga teacher who founded an intersectional wellness platform. It's an idea she's had for a while, but was recently brought into fruition during the coronavirus pandemic. In our conversation, she explained to me how her ideas around mental wellness have evolved since she started the platform. My conversation with Stephanie was great. She is an incredibly empathetic person who puts a lot of thought and care into how she speaks and advocates for mental health. I hope you enjoy. So hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you? How have you been in this pandemic recently? I've been better recently. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, I experienced a lot of changes in my life because of it, as many other people can relate. However, I currently feel that I am at a place of accepting those changes and where life has me. And so I'm feeling a bit more grounded, which feels like a breath of fresh air, honestly. That's great. Good for you. Honestly, like, (laughs) you know, so many of us are going through it. Like sometimes it's just like, I did something today, you know, (laughs) like you have to be like easy on yourself, but that's great. Literally. And even today I woke up and I went back to bed, but I was like, I made a green juice. Like, it's okay. You're amazing. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> no, like, yeah. Like, because no, honestly, there were a couple months where even that was just like, where even getting out of bed was not doable, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm feeling very grateful. I think even when we first checked in, I was like, girl, let me put you on. <laughs> yeah. Um, how my pandemic started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many, mm-hmm. so many changes and things, but it feels good to be in the space of like, okay, this is where I'm at. This isn't going anywhere. And day by day, hour by hour, second by second is literally the best I could do right now. Yeah, good for you. Um, so you founded Namaste. Can you tell us about it and what you've been doing with it recently? Yes. So I founded Namaste during the pandemic, but it was actually an idea that I had maybe two, three years ago mm-hmm. when I became a certified yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. I just felt that I wanted to focus more on my yoga. Mm-hmm. And around the same time I started freelancing and so I didn't have time to focus on it. But after getting laid off from my job, 
I was home and doing IG live yoga classes for women empowerment platforms and things like that. And I noticed there's a need. And at the same time, I also had the time. So I created Namaste. And since then, you know, we sold merch or I sold merch in the journals, uh, more stationary journals, mugs, held a community circle this summer, socially distanced um, outside with some yoga, uh, a personal life coach, and just, just wanting to build community in a time where it felt like people needed it. There were other plans for more um, collaborations going into the fall and winter, but when we thought the pandemic would ease up, it actually ramped up. And so it's been at a standstill at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I've just been focusing on just taking in the lessons I learned from 2020 and just checking in with myself on what I liked, what I didn't like, and just using the downtime to rebrand an idea that was of a younger version of myself um, and allowing it to catch up to where I am right now and who I am right now and how I want to share that with the world and share what I know about wellness with the world from that perspective. I don't want to, I felt like I didn't want to appropriate namaste. Um, it's a Sanskrit word. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted something that felt a bit more unique. Mm -hmm. And I could say like, you know, Namaste felt like me at 24. And it's like, I just turned 28 and I think differently. My creativity is differently. And so just using this downtime to reflect and, and see how I want to move forward with the brand. Mm -hmm. And how do you think like, so you say you started it when you were 24? Like the idea was there, mm -hmm. you know, the idea was there, but I was just doing other stuff. Sure, you know? yeah. Focusing on my career, um, getting in my yoga teaching practice. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how have you seen your thought process change in this kind of span of time since you were 24 towards like mental health? Like how do you view it differently or? I, changed. I think before uh, my focus was, you know, even when I became a yoga instructor was making the practice accessible to, you know, young millennial women of color. And it's changed now in that I want it to be more genderless. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, back then, my understanding of wellness was not as multi-dimensional I think as it is now I think that back then when I look at it there was therapy and there was yoga and there was fitness now when I think about it I think about the non-traditional things that account for wellness like community ritual chosen family um 
doing whatever it is that makes you feel good and well and like allowing there to be a space for that if it looks different than the mainstream I think that 24 year old me would have carried out the Namaste brand trying to find their place amongst other wellness brands aesthetically and by service offerings whereas now 28 year old me I want to actually disrupt that Mm -hmm. and create something that feels more like it more me you know I grew up in New York City I've lived in the Bronx for you know most of my life if not Harlem Uh, and I didn't have or I haven't had the same when you think of wellness on a lot of other platforms my experience doesn't feel like it lives in pastel colors <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, plants and things like that. It, it's been very kind of like, most of the work has been on my own, you know, aside from chosen family and like friends and stuff like that, because there is stigma around mental health in Latin, like in Latinx families. Oh, sure. And so, yeah. It's been very like gritty in in kind of like, well, where am I going to get resources? You know, what is it that I need? Uh, And I just want the brand instead of focusing on like, you need X to be well, it's kind of like, it's okay if you're not okay. This is a collective journey. It's a human experience. And at the same time, like, this is positive content that can help you through move through what you might be going through the way you want to move through it yeah no yeah yeah I love that I think I've said before on the podcast I really wish people would talk more about when they're not okay when they're not okay you know not after when it looks sunny because you like made it out I don't think that just because you're maybe in a bad place that that's automatically like like bad or, or like needs to be in like um uh talked about in it in a way that's like kind of tiptoeing around it kind of like whispering like I think that um that pain and and the things that we go through and maybe even like depressive episodes and all that it all like culminates into who we are and I think that that's really beautiful so I think that we should get more of that picture so kudos to you because I think that's a really great thing to to work on and to voice more yeah it's actually really hard Mm-hmm. Even talking right now, when you mentioned, I wish more people would talk about when they're going through it, when they're going through it, not after they've gone through it, mm-hmm. because I tend to do the same thing. Like it feels too hard, like too scary. And I don't share that with the outward world. I'll share it with my friends and my family. And like, I will create a boundary with with social media and things like that where I'm not completely having a quote-unquote breakdown on camera but my friends know what's happening you know and you know my brother will know what's happening my partner will know what's happening and it's it's hard and I I've actually been advised 
So it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was going through something in the fall, my mentor reminded me that I created a wellness platform where it's okay to not be well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that that's okay. Mm -hmm. And he reminded me that someone is waiting for the things that I'm creating. And like, that's my responsibility to create because I don't like creating when I'm in a rut. Like I'll get a lot of ideas, but it's very hard to be the face of something and host yoga classes and, you know, do lives and things like that. I need to take a step back and like feel grounded first. And he challenged me on that and was like, well, isn't what you're trying to create all about like moving through the dark stuff? And then, you know, I went on Instagram and on my personal, I, I shared that I wasn't doing okay mm -hmm. um, and how that was okay. And like, you know, I'm going that I was going to get better. And sure enough, you know, I, I have been doing better. Yeah. Uh, but that really, I don't think I'll ever forget that conversation. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's a really big thing because there's something to be said for like taking time and, and giving yourself space until you're ready. But then there's also like, like I know with me, like I'll never be ready. Like I'm always like, it can be better. You can do this better. You can do this. Like, um, so I've had to learn when to throw it out there. And I, I don't like completely know it yet. Sometimes I just, I'm like, I've been sitting at the screen for so long, like just put it out there. And I think that's something that I've also learned, not just in talking about like wellness, um, but also in, in tech, because I work in tech and, and when you do iterative design, like they literally teach you to like, just put it out there and literally yeah. let it evolve, see what your customers say. Um, so I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, go ahead. That's, that makes me think of like UX design, like all the sketching yeah. process and just even your worst idea needs to be included in the sketch. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's kind of like, and then things don't change or they can't grow without it existing, mm -hmm. right? Like Namaste or the next iteration of what Namaste is gonna become would not be possible if I hadn't, you know, learned from this first round of, of you know, what I did. Yeah. You know, I know that I don't want to sell mugs. It's actually really hard to package. Um, I know that I don't want Namaste as a name, mm -hmm. right? I know that I want it to be more before it was always the attention was always to be gen, um, gender in inclusive, but the name felt very more femme. And so now I know that I want something that's more um, gender non-binary, mm -hmm. feels more um, accessible, you know, and like all these, and, and before where I think I just wanted to post like very like positive uplifting content. I also just want to like post some of the like what it's like to have suicidal thoughts, you know, what it's like to um, 
have family members that experience mental health that's much more, I guess, quote unquote, a little bit more severe than your typical anxiety, depression, such as like bipolar or schizophrenia, things like that. Like, I think I want to be just more raw and like not trying to fit this cookie cutter, pretty easily digestible sense of like, I am well and good. And I don't want to keep promoting like this toxic positivity, like just look at the right side of things. Like that is just such a frustrating thing to me, especially as someone who deals with mental illness. Like I am very much put off by toxic positivity because Mm. it makes me feel that there's something wrong with me. Mm. When I can't see the positive side all the time, it makes me feel that there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Or when I share something and I'm reminded that other people have it worse, it can be very dismissive. Oh, and yeah. I, I, I often use that as a point of gratitude. You know, like I'm going through this and, you know, I still have a roof above my head. I have food mm-hmm. in the fridge. And like, that's a point of gratitude. And what I'm going through is still very shitty. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to dismiss that by being fakely positive and it not feeling real. Yeah. I think as someone who like, um, you know, just kind of reads up on wellness a lot, um, I know what you're talking about when you talk about these pastel photos and things. And I think that there is such a space for the grittiness that you're talking about. Um, and, and I think it's huge for you to even notice that there's a space for it. And also huge for you to say, I think I want to act on it. Cause I think that there are people out there who are like, who need that, you know? Um, so I think that's yeah. great. And I think I want to see more color, you mm-hmm. know, more sexuality represented. I want to see more just people who aren't usually like the face of wellness, you know? And that's why I try to share different body types, different Mm -hmm. relationship types, different, um, just something other than the white woman who loves yoga. Sure. Yeah. Well, on this kind of topic about um, these wellness platforms, you describe Namaste as an intersectional wellness platform. Yes. First of all, what does an an intersectional wellness platform entail? Yeah. So intersectional, um, it's intersectional means that it's not only looking at one matter at hand, but all the intersecting or all the things that affect it. So for example, if you're looking at climate justice for a change, you're not just looking at the way that one is affected by the environment Mm -hmm. as, you know, are like all people are affected by the environment, but you're looking at the intersections of race and climate justice. So you're also, that allows you to acknowledge that Black people, Indigenous communities, um, um, BIPOC communities are affected way more by climate change 
than counterparts. If you're looking at, um, let's say feminism, you aren't just, and this is actually where when intersectionality came through, um, like first wave of feminism was very, like it was missing the mm -hmm. way that other women particularly black women experience sexism and and that's when womanism came about and it's like you know we're all women and although there are some you know structural things that affect us our identities impact the way those things are affecting us if that makes any sense mm -hmm. well I think there's a big thing of like um not feeling like um not feeling the urgency to fight for something until it affects you um but you also you started namaste in a pandemic which i think is a huge thing so can you tell me a little bit more about how that came out i think it actually made it easier to start mm -hmm. during a pandemic because everyone was home and now the main form of communication and marketing is all online and everyone had no nothing else to do but to be online and so I think it was timely I think it was a good time however the only thing is that a big thing for me that I know I want it's like the in-person rituals in-person community and that's been hard um I don't want to be online all the time or right. like you know on social media all the time so that's been really hard. Mm -hmm. um, but for right now, you know, I think like we were talking back to earlier, just being like proud of where it's at so far, mm -hmm. just proud that it even is there to begin with. But I think that the pandemic in a way both provided me the time to just focus on it and the audience was was there. Sure, yeah. Um, I think there's also something we said for social media kind of being a double-edged sword. Like I feel like when the pandemic first happened, it was really cool. And I was like, see, social media is great because like we're all connected. And then now it's like, you know, we're like a year into this thing. <laughs> like it's like, um, I think that toxic, that toxic positivity that you've, you've talked about is, so prevalent on social media specifically right now um I know like I will totally admit that I am so like at the end of every year I do one of those things on Instagram where I put like photos up through the year and I'm like here's all the things I did um just because if only because I, I like photography so that's fun for me um yeah but this year I was like I can't do it like everything that's going on in the world like I can maybe say like I've had a good year, but it's like so much shit has happened. Like, I just feel like I, like, I cannot do that. Like, I feel like that's a horrible thing to do right now. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, um, and I was kind of floored that there were people out there that were kind of doing it. And I was like, uh, like they're like, I've had a great year. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I yeah. thought that was pretty crazy. Like, Yeah, no, agree. Mm -hmm. At the end of the year, I was like, peace out. Like I, I saw it coming too. I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. I was like that fading meme with the little, where, where the guy's just like fading. 
Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. he's there, and then like waiting as the quadrants go by. I was just like, peace out. Like it hit November, and I was like, yeah, it's a yeah. dub. Um, mm-hmm. It was just such an exhausting year. Yeah, and trying to manage it all was just so emotionally draining. And agree, social media allowed for a lot of connection at the beginning. And then I think it still does. Yeah. But the way I was experiencing it, you know, seeing as how some people were apparently copacetic, like doing well, traveling, doing this, like also like hyper productivity, like just get the bag, like, and it's just like, can we just be in a pandemic? (laughs) Oh yeah, literally. And like, yeah just admit we're all depressed at some level and maybe we'll all feel less alone and not feel like if we're not happy that something is wrong. No? Oh yeah. All right, cool. I'm just be with my friends then. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. And it's like a day by day thing. I mean, there are days where like, I'm really productive with work and like with this podcast mm-hmm. stuff. And like yesterday, like I did nothing. Like I was like, I just don't have it in me to do it today. Um, and it's day by day today. I was a little bit more like, okay, I can think about Instagram stuff and I can think about this, but like, I think something I had to define for myself in, in, in high school in in college was success for myself. And like success for me used to look like doing my absolute best every day. And that meant like working at 110% productivity, no matter what I was going through. Um, and I had to kind of rethink that and go, well, actually it's doing my best every day um, in terms of what is my best that day. So some days it's, I can do lots of work and I can get, you know, all this stuff done. And I can cross all this stuff on my to-do list. And other days, the best I can do is cross just a couple things off my to-do list is take a shower, like, you yeah. know, and okay. And, and you have to give yourself that room. Cause if you don't, then you just get down in yourself all the time. And, and I made it a point to say, um, that my best changes from day to day. So not to compare two days, you know, Yeah, I like that. I also have had to undo some serious like capitalistic mindset around success during this time. It's, you know, I, as an immigrant, like Dominican, Mm -hmm. oldest daughter, like I was always like on the track. Like my mom always like had me do good in school I knew I was going to go to college I didn't have the option of not going to college Mm -hmm. Uh, I you know went away for years after that like like it's just growing up success and what that looked like and being productive and almost like to a level of perfectionism oh yeah has been ingrained in me (laughs) from such a young age Mm -hmm. like the 95 isn't good enough you know oh it's always like okay well how can I get that five percent like literally and and sometimes it wasn't even coming from me like that's the thing right like I wasn't the the kind of student that was like I should have gotten like Mm -hmm. like having a 98 and like fighting with the teacher that I needed 100 like Mm -hmm. that wasn't me it was just like when I would come home my mom would be like, well, where are the extra two points? <laughs> you know, where are the five points? And I'd just be like, well, can we just like celebrate the fact that I got a 95 or yeah. are we really going to be upset about the extra five? <laughs> um, yeah. 
as an adult, yeah. I feel like I've learned that. Like, and as a kid, I'm For like, sure. I think back to like the things I took as a kid or even in college or in school or whatever. And I'm like, why did I not like tell that teacher off? Like, I'm like, I can't believe I just took that. Like, we're just taught to just take those kinds of things. And I'm like, that's wild. I, and I, I think too, like, all right, what does success look like for me? This happened, you know, like after I was laid off, um, when I didn't have like my job, my job title, Mm -hmm. um, and the sense of self that, or the sense, the self, I don't know, sense of worth or self, self worth, sense of self worth. There we go. (laughs) I know what you mean. Yeah, sense of self worth was tied to my job oh, for sure. and the fact that um, I, where I was living and what I was doing, and it's just like it's it's been a. I think I was like trying to compensate for a lot of that during the pandemic by like oh, yeah. being proactive and doing, um, you know, collaborating with brands and creating content for them and uh, just just to find some sense of like, I am good, but I was still finding that through being productive and through working and how other people are seeing me. And a lot of that was fueled through like social media, maybe like social media was my tool that I was using to like redefine that sense of self-worth and like project it. And it's just like, I'm at the point now where I'm like, I'm enough just for existing. Mm-hmm. You know, like a job title isn't gonna take a take away or add from my life experiences, my intellect, the things that have shaped me, mm-hmm. uh, the person that I am, how I show up for my friends and my family. Mm-hmm. You know, like these values that aren't really tied to something that's financial or whatever, and at the end of the day, like, this was the hardest thing for me to accept. Like, it wasn't my fault. Yeah. I didn't get fired. Yeah. You know, it was like, and this is actually sometimes frustrating to hear when I'm like, in a mood, but like, there were millions of people who got laid off. Like, this was an economic crisis, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's one, you know, that's one way It, it wasn't like, that in itself didn't make me feel better about it, but it was just yeah. realizing that I matter and hold weight and and worthy and important and enough just as I am. Sure, yeah. You know, but it's very mm-hmm. easy to compare oneself, you know, like take pandemic aside, like it's very easy to compare oneself. Like, you know, well, I've been out of school for, X amount of years, I should be here, my friends are there, or I see people and they're doing this. And, you know, I made the decision to come back to New York, like I left my things in LA in storage, I came to New York um, to be with my family. And then even that brought back some stuff like I'm back home. Uh, But I know people who have businesses in New York City who actually took their families to the suburbs to their parents you know Mm -hmm. I wasn't the exception you know I was actually amongst like a lot of people who just went home to family because we're all in survival mode oh sure yeah so I think redefining success has been 
so big and honestly like I've still been applying to jobs and it's been really stressful you know as a creative sometimes they ask you to send them work and samples so you're creating you're not getting paid for it and you know the rejection are still Mm -hmm. there and it's kind of like what (laughs) yeah yeah you know like I really had to sit down and like have a talk with myself like what am I after like am I after another title Mm -hmm. it's really gonna make me happy do I want another job to say I have another job like is this the direction that I want to go in it's just like or am I still trying to prove myself Mm -hmm. no I think those are really like valuable things to sit with yourself and think about and reflect on um one thing also you um in, in Namaste, when I was kind of like looking at the website and, and the Instagram, you talk a lot about collective healing specifically. What, um, why do you think that's important? And why did you go kind of that route when you were branding this like wellness platform? I think for, for me, it's important because for a really long time, I wouldn't share anything with anyone and like deal with it alone. And as I started opening up about things that I was feeling and things that I was going through with friends or family, just their perspective alone really helped me through really tough times. Mm -hmm. And it's just nice to feel that you're not alone. Sure, yeah. The collective healing aspect that I want is for people to feel like they don't have to do it alone or like they're not alone. Um, well, I think when you're in that space, like when you get in your head, like, cause people are always like, we'll call a friend. And it's just like so much harder than, like, it's so mm-hmm. not easy to just pick up the phone, you know? Yeah, so like, I think that's worth being said, yeah. Even me, like I'll mentally go through a roll of deck and I'm like, all right, let me call Lewis. Or like, let me, I'm like, now, nah, like, I haven't spoken to him in a minute. I don't want to just- Oh my God, yeah. Him. I'm like, no, they're going to be like, why like, are you calling me now? Like, which they never are like that. Yeah, like, no, they, yeah. Like, they never are. But I think too, yeah. like, there's something to be said. Like, there are people who offer certain kind of advice. Mm-hmm. Like, there are, you just have certain friends who you establish a different kind of intimacy with. Um, that is what you need in certain moments. The yeah. Same way that you have, you know, a friend that you can like chill and got like you, we all have that friend we can't go deep with because it just feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And those are more like acquaintances. Mm-hmm. For me, that's a real marker of friendship. Like if I hang out with someone and I feel like all right, we've known each other three months and we are really like surface level at this point. Like I can't really process my emotions with you. Um, this isn't going to go very far. <laughs> because yeah. I like to talk my things out and like philosophize and yeah, yeah. like, you know, so I think it's important to know what friends to go to when certain, you know, when, when that happens. But in creating a community, um, and this is why like the in-person part is missing. Yeah. That the pan- like that the pandemic is not allowing for. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very like if if we were in person, whatever, and I was holding, you know, like monthly events or whatever, that would do away with who can I talk to because 
you've connected with someone in person who's like at this like wavelength or thinking in this mindset who's like down to be open and and be vulnerable with you and share with you and and provide perspective sure instead of feeling like I don't want to put this burden on my friends Mm -hmm. which you know oftentimes a friend wouldn't see it as a burden Uh like I did meet John at at this thing and we vibed and like let me just shoot them a text and see what's up you know yeah I think that's the big challenge in this time right now in this pandemic is I feel like so many of us think that we would be so perfectly fine if the world didn't change when it did, right? Like I could say like, yeah, I'd be killing it at work. I'd be hanging out with friends. I'd be going out and I'd be feeling great probably. But like all this stuff that I'm going through right now is not new. It's been there. This pandemic has just brought it out, Yo, you know? Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like in there, no matter what, like, you know? Yo, yeah. Like no matter what, I'm seasonally depressed. Like no matter what, COVID, you know, like it was there before. There was this meme that was like, "I'm so excited for my COVID depression to meet my seasonal depression." (laughs) Mine. It was just. It was like the Spider-Man meme, like pointing. Oh my god! Yeah, looking at each other. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I think like if it wasn't, you know, even my job, like I, my job wasn't perfect. Oh yeah. Um, there were, I experienced a lot of, you know, microaggressions and a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. there. It was almost like a blessing in disguise to have been laid off of like the financial security that, you know, comes with this massive net of unemployment, although it is not sufficiently enough. It's kind of like, well, that's better than if I had quit. Yeah. pandemic was happening and um, I'm not like, being compensated in, in any sure sure yeah in any kind of way uh but I agree with you like mm-hmm. but th- I think that's also the thing it's like and that's a good thing to acknowledge it's like people who are prone to mental illness or like who have mental illnesses are experiencing this pandemic at a much higher level and sure yeah others who aren't are actually experiencing what people who are prone to mental illness live through just (laughs) in general like just regularly that's why there's been such an increase um in wellness spaces you know people seeking therapy skyrocketed in 2020 this year alone people seeking therapy increased the amount of antidepressants that were being prescribed increased in a nation that already has high levels of like antidepressant anxiety medication that are being prescribed. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, online um, therapy platforms increase, even city websites like New York State, LA, there's a mental health section, like, you know, mental health during COVID, you know, like mm-hmm. how to move through it. And it's great that people are going to therapy. I am like such a therapy advocate. Like if my partners can't, um, I just like my partners to go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or like, or like have some sense of like self-awareness that they've gained through therapy. Yeah. Like through therapizing with their friends because it's just so important to self-awareness and yeah if 
I don't know, maybe we'll all come out of this more self-aware. And- oh yeah, I hope so. I started therapy in the pandemic and I feel like, um, I think I knew I needed it before, but I think the pandemic was like, I literally don't have the emotional tools to handle all this. <laughs> like, and mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have another option. Um, and so I finally went and I, I feel like sometimes I like, like now I've been doing it for months. And so it seems more normal and like um, my self-reflection is like a lot deeper than it's been in past years. And, and that seems normal now. Um, but it's like, I can't believe how how little just emotional tools I had in the past to deal with things. Like the way in which I would cover up pain that was like so ingrained in me. And then today, like if I'm feeling some type of way, like I'll sit with myself, I'll journal, I'll talk to friends. Like, um, um, I can just handle it in, in a, such a better way, even if it's just me, like the thought process is better. And I'm like, I can't believe how many years I went without that. And I can't believe how adults in my life and, and teachers in my life, how no one is like telling you to do these things. Like, I'm like, how do we get this far? And no one's like, you need this, yes. these tools. Yes. I think about my mom and I'm just like, how do you cope? Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> I'm like all the time. Okay, so you're telling me your mom died when you were about 20. You had to be the caretaker for your nine brothers and sisters. You lived through poverty. You came to a whole other state. You didn't know the language. You had to raise two kids, and you're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Like jokes over, mom. Like <laughs> let's get you through. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. like you know because it shows up like you know her projections show up on me and you know her you know it's like you could really see how they handle things and cover it up oh and sure yeah. these other these other places um I actually got one of my parents to agree to go into therapy this year and I was like yo okay generational traumas here we come let's break these <laughs> like I was just wow, that's incredible yeah I was just so like all right let's let's do this thing yeah because undoing and like healing through that stuff alone mm-hmm. and I found that I've actually been able to move and practice you know better ways of being through being in communication with others mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, I know that, like, there's a time and place for everything, right? Like, there are times when, like, you just want to be alone. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, and you don't want to be with other people. But I've grown so much through, like, my really nice, healthy relationships mm-hmm. um, and have practiced communicating and have practiced owning my shit, have practiced, you know, doing, like, intentional check-ins. And it's been really nice and like that's not practice I would have gotten being you know single Mm -hmm. and and alone and and um it has definitely shifted or impacted even the way I communicate with my parents you know or or my mom um and I think there's something to to be said to that too I think because I for I just I just think that sometimes people tell you like well you just need to focus on yourself um and then it becomes this job that you need to do alone and it's kind of like that's not true like you can be in you can be in partnerships with other you can 
be you don't need to be isolated to work on yourself is basically like yeah what I'm trying to say like you can still learn Mm -hmm. and like for me I was able to learn these healthy ways of communicating Mm -hmm. being in healthy partnerships hmm I think that's really interesting um you also you had a poem on your Instagram that I really loved um (laughs) that I want you to read for us um is is poetry something that you go to often is it like a creative outlet or yeah I actually started out as a writer oh Um, yeah when I started going into the creative route um Mm -hmm. um, in my career I started out with the blog that I had in college and just kept going publishing wellness pieces my own self-reflections poetry Mm -hmm. uh it was kind of just like it was literally a blog where I'm just like I'm moving through this um and it was like my own inner head reflections Mm -hmm. And poetry is something that I still do. It's not the main focus of, I think, what I create, uh, but it's definitely the start. I love writing. I journal like every day. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I've not like four times a week. Um, I have so many journals, dude. It's crazy. That's so good. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Okay, I'll read it for you. Okay. So this was actually, there's a workshop. Um, oh yeah women's poetry workshop Hmm. you can just like sign up for their emails and they do weekly um like writing workshops and so the theme we were writing about was forgiveness Uh, and so this is what i wrote some will call it pride forgiveness is not just forgiveness It's misleading, this thing we attribute with closeness to purity. We must forgive. Everything tells us it's the right thing to do. But what are we supposed to do when it hurts? When the heart and mind want so badly to do and be better, but the pain is stuck so deep into the crevices of our ribs that all we can seem to find down there is the anger. The cliches will tell us, forgiveness doesn't mean forget. Forgiveness means you choose you. Forgiveness isn't about the other person, it's about you. But what about when the person you need to forgive is ourselves? When the person you need to forgive is yourself? For staying too long or leaving too soon? For lashing out or not saying enough? For unconsciously moving from the place of places of our trauma? For the self-sabotaging habits we've made homes out of? For the insecurities we keep as crutches? For cowarding in the faces of conflict? for choosing to be someone else in exchange for one-way love, for repeating old mistakes despite knowing better, for giving away our power not yet aware of its own existence. Forgiveness isn't just the I'm sorry everyone wants so badly to push on us. It's healing work that no one wants to hold our hand through. And still, despite this, they'll always meet us with disappointment in the face of yet another person labeled too prideful to forgive. the end <laughs> I think that's so beautiful thank you for reading that I read it in a while as I was reading I was like oh yeah this is pretty good <laughs> I I read it and I was like well other people feel like that too that's really cool so <laughs> thanks for putting that out into the world thank you thank you for can letting you us that. Mm-hmm. can you tell us where we can find you your Instagram website yes mm-hmm. um so you you guys can follow or not you guys um 
you all can follow. <laughs> I'm kind of like not say you guys all yeah. the time. Well, it's I a New York like, thing too. I think that's what people say as well. What happened? And it's a New York thing as well. Yeah, but I also think it's like all these influencers like, hey guys, hi guys. So today I'm going to show, hey guys. And it's just like, well, not everyone wants to be called the guy. And so I'm trying to do better at like, yeah, like, hey guys. All right. So you all <laughs> can follow uh-huh. me um, at ecastillo.nyc and at namaslay.co. Um, ecastillo is E-C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O.nyc. And Namaste is N-A-H-M-A-S-L-A-Y dot C-O. Thank you so much for listening to Color. If you like this episode, please consider leaving a review. It helps people find the podcast. You can keep up with the show on Instagram at color underscore podcast. And you can now support the show and join the Color community on Patreon. See you next month for another episode. Until then, take care of yourself. 